fighting for freedom every day. Broadcasting from the heartland of America, the next generation in conservative talk radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Uh, yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. It is a Monday, greatest day of the entire week, my friends. We are setting the tone for the rest of the week here on the program, which is what we do each and every single day. It's time for us to carpe diem all over this place. Welcome into it. This is the Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, multiple radio stations and TV, live streaming, podcasting, However you watch or listen to the show, welcome aboard your Millennial General reporting for duty like we do every single day. It's good to be back behind the microphone, man. I am excited. We have got a lot to talk about, a lot of things to do for sure. Things that happened over the weekend. We have the issues in Washington, D.C. We have immigration bills. We have the uh, the radical nutsoness that's going on in the Middle East we'll get to here in just a moment. We have the bickerings among the Republican Party for certain candidates and states. We'll go over to the state of Colorado momentarily as well. And cover all of that. Before we do any of it, though, have you heard the big news, the big trending story of the day that I'm sure What's you are so excited today? about? You cannot wait for. Yeah. You know what's trending story of the day? Obviously, coming from the state of Kansas, I have to say that I am inundated with all of the news about the football game, the big game, the Super Bowl, and with the Kansas City Chiefs heading to that in a couple of weeks, which means I, I kind of have to watch it being from Kansas. I have to watch it. Now, that being said, if I see it, if I see one time, man, I'm going to have to turn it off. But I don't know how many people actually care anymore. But have you heard that 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 Taylor Swift is dating Travis Kelsey? Oh, my God. Who <laughs> the hell cares? I know. I know. Apparently, she's not very happy with all the media attention either. But the media loving it, the NFL especially loving it. There was a headline I had seen today that Taylor Swift, and I know you're getting sick of hearing that name, so just bear with me for a moment, that Taylor Swift is, actually has created $331 million in revenue for the Kansas City Chiefs. As in free advertising and publicity just for her going around wearing the jerseys and the, how much the media has actually covered her and people that have bought jerseys and swag of the Chiefs. Since she started supporting them back in September when they, quote-unquote, started dating or when they started paying attention to each other, whatever it is, $331 million in revenue generated for the Chiefs. No wonder why they're going to the Super Bowl this year. I'm not saying that they're not a good team. I have not followed a single game, so I can't tell you whether they're a good team or not. I know that they didn't do quite as good as what they've done the past couple of years. And the only reason I know that, not because I've watched it, but because I literally work at a place where there's a sports radio station right across the room from me here, and I hear about the sports guys talking about it constantly. So I, I'm somewhat informed of what's going on in the sports world. But there you go. Kansas City Chiefs heading to the Super Bowl. Taylor Swift all about it and I there's a lot of theories that run around there I am still of the theory and if I'm totally wrong then I apologize but I am of the theory that because of how much money she's generated for the Chiefs and because of how much publicity that she gets bringing in an entirely new demographic for the NFL which look I mean look there are a lot of people that walked away from the NFL after the whole Colin Kaepernick thing and the kneeling for the national anthem and the fact that they're going to play again the black national anthem at the Super Bowl this year apparently which I don't even know what that is. That doesn't make any sense to me. But apparently they're going to. And because of all the people that have been upset with the politics of the NFL and how horribly that they've handled so many issues, that they're looking for a new demographic. 
And uh, apparently they had the money because the young generation we learned back in the, in the 80s and 90s, we found out that the teen boppers were really the ones that had the money because they had mom and dad's money and they bugged the heck out of the parents until they actually got what they wanted. And today's times, I guess it's really no different, but the teen bopper demographic is the one with all the cash. And the teen bopper demographic, the 12 to 16-year-olds, maybe 20-year-olds now, are the ones that are following Taylor Swift. Predominantly, the girls in those demographics are following Taylor Swift. And they have the cash. That is the cash cow. So here's my theory. Put on the tinfoil hat for just a moment. My theory is the reason that Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, the player for the Kansas City Chiefs, are together is not because of an actual romantic relationship. (laughs) And again, I could be wrong. But here's the theory. I do not believe that they actually met and fell in love, fell madly in love with they they met each other and he asked for her number at the meet and greet or whatever the situation was. I truly think this is a publicity stunt to generate more revenue and publicity for the NFL. I really think it is. It was how much money the Kansas City Chiefs have made. And if you watch the game on Sunday, you could see the very awkward romantic greet that they had after the game and she came down onto the field and they gave each other a big hug and then they like turned away for a moment and then they stopped and like turned back to each other and like awkwardly gave each other a little peck of a kiss and then and then she tried to like overplay it by putting the hand on his head and like doing this whole thing and then they got done and then they went about their day with him hooting and hollering about winning the game i think this is still a staged romance and i, I again don't care if it is not really my deal, but I'm just sticking with my theory. I think it's a way for them to bring a new demographic in, which really reiterates that if they are going to the Super Bowl now in a couple of weeks, are you going to watch it for the commercials? Now, the commercials for the Super Bowl have really stunk the past few years. Can we just agree to that? Like, they are not making the classic ones that we saw back when I was a kid in the 90s and early 2000s when you watched the Super Bowl for the intent of watching the commercial ads because the commercials were so intriguing and so unique and so offbeat that they were entertaining. And you and we would spend an entire day on the radio the next day afterwards talking about what our favorite radio t- uh, or TV commercial ads were during the Super Bowl. Like, that was the thing, man. Everybody, every media outlet, every talk show, every news uh, news anchor would talk about the great commercials that we had during the Super Bowl the night after. And the last couple of years, we really didn't get a whole lot of that, did we? It really weren't even worth mentioning at all. But now that Taylor Swift's in this, and now that that's the big fascination, bringing that demographic into the NFL, are they going to pander to that crowd? And if they are going to pander to that crowd, what is the commercial lineup going to look like pandering to 12 to 20 year old girls that are supposedly watching the Super Bowl to get a glimpse of Taylor Swift as the crazy diehard Swifties that they are. Very interesting stuff for sure. All right. I don't want to focus a lot of time on that, uh, but it is kind of weird that that's my theory. That's my theory and I'm sticking to it. They're finding a new demographic just to try and boost up the ratings, which it has worked. The ratings have been boosted on the NFL since Taylor Swift has gotten involved on that one to the point now where for the Super Bowl apparently the United Airlines is now going to be doing special flights to Vegas to take people to the Super Bowl with flights that have significance to the Kansas City Chiefs. Flight number 1989 for United Airlines, flight number 2287 and flight number 1587 are among those that will fly passengers to Las Vegas. As they say, flight 2287 is an ode to the quote favorite Chiefs of power couple 
or the number is a combination of Kelsey's jersey and one of Swift's albums, 2287. Flight 1989 is not only Swift's birth year, but is the title of the album that she recently recorded as well, along with Flight 1995, which is the last year the 49ers won the Super Bowl. So I guess they did do some for the 49ers side as well. But, man, I'm telling you, they're taking it to an entirely new level just to try and boost. Just squeeze as much as you possibly can out of this one. And I think it's ridiculous. I'll probably end up watching it because I'm in Kansas. Kind of have to watch it. There's nothing else to do around here except for watch that big game that everybody's excited about here in the area, especially for the Mid-America region. Speaking of Taylor Swift, and I promise I will leave that because I know you're thinking to yourself, Andy, we don't care anymore. I, I know, I get it, but I do want to mention her one other time. There's another issue outside of the NFL issue that's going on regarding Taylor Swift that goes into the artificial intelligence, where apparently uh, Twitter has actually frozen searches of Taylor Swift because of explicit photos that were AI-generated that Taylor Swift is now suing about because there's explicit photos about her floating around that aren't really her. And as AI continues to be a big thing, and you can see some really interesting art all over social media about people doing different things. This is going to be more of a norm each and every day with artificial intelligence. The problem that I have and that I'm concerned about moving forward is that, yeah, should we see nudes or different explicit photos of Taylor Swift? No, I have zero interest in actually seeing that. I really don't care. I don't want to watch any of that. Most people don't. Although it was a trending thing apparently on Twitter to the point where they had to freeze any searches of Taylor Swift on the X because of so many people that were searching for this. My concern politically here is that, number one, obviously, that if they can do that to anybody, they're going to start doing it to anybody, especially politicians, to start creating more of drama, to start questioning investigations on people about doing ridiculous behavior so that way we can start attacking their credibility get ready for it it's going to happen soon if you're on tiktok and you scroll through uh there's already happening with audio and the mimicking of people's voices joe rogan obviously the biggest podcaster in the entire country there are now videos of him talking about stories that he never actually talked about and it's in his voice because of an ai generated voice about these stories so i'm telling you now if you don't have principles or if you don't have the values to stand on and you know exactly what you believe and exactly what's going on and you don't pay attention to the world, it's going to get really complicated for you really quickly because more of this AI-generated photos and video and audio are going to start leaking out there of these high-profile individuals, of political pundits, of politicians, of celebrities, where it's going to start questioning, hey, look at this scandal that they're involved in when it really didn't happen at all. In fact, as you know, our friends over at Armed American Radio with Mark Walters, he's in the middle of litigation right now for an AI-generated story that never happened of him, like, trying to steal money from the Second Amendment Foundation. Obviously not the case, but AI, the AI-generated stuff, came out with a court case number, came out with this entire story, and he's in the middle of that litigation. And if you can match that with photos that were AI generated or a fake phone call that was AI voice generated or a video with someone's head on there, things are going to get really complicated really quickly. And you know what that means at the end of the day. That means at the end that we're going to see the government come out and say, we have to regulate this more 
and we're going to consume the AI industry so we can oversee it. The future of technology, which I'm telling you, whether we like it or not, as conservatives, I'm with you. I was born in the wrong time era. I'm not a fan of new technology. I, If it's not broken, why the hell are we trying to fix it and do something better here? I get it. I'm frustrated with technology. We have to admit that this is going to be the future right now. And if the government takes full control of artificial intelligence because of these types of concerns, then who's going to control the content on what's going to be truth and not truth? What's Who's going to control what's going to be fake or not fake? Because Joe Biden, and we mentioned this before, Joe Biden already has an entire legal team ready for the election season about any type of negative story that they come out with that may be in the media, they're going to say it's artificially generated, it's completely bogus, it's not true, and they're going to have a legal team standing by to do that. Now, do you think that they're going to do the same thing when it attacks conservatives? Do you think the government who's going to oversee this artificial intelligence, that they're going to come to the defense of Donald Trump when there's a story about some type of scandal that he's in? Of course not. They're the ones that are creating the entire scandal about Trump in the first place. Or about Ted Cruz. Or about fill-in-the-blank Republican candidate that may run for the presidency down the road. They're going to be the ones dictating on what's true or not true, all because of artificial intelligence that's going to be overwhelmingly generating the content, generating the news, generating the stories that you and I are going to see in the future. This is going to be more heavily involved in our lives moving forward, and we're going to have to be smart enough to decipher what's truth and what's not truth to the point to where we're going to be labeled the conspiracy theory nuts more so than we ever have in our entire life. And it's starting it now with Taylor Swift, who now has a quote-unquote illicit photos that are AI-generated that she's suing about, because obviously she doesn't want that stuff out there, but giving the excuse for the government to say, hey, there's a problem, there's going to be a bigger problem moving forward, we have to control this now, and we're going to decide what's going to be legit and not legitimate moving forward. And to me, that's kind of scary. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. 24 minutes past the hour. I'm done talking about the TS. I'm done. No more. My brain hurts thinking about it all. Welcome back into it. We got Mark Bard coming on the program, bottom of the hour, just a few minutes from now. We do have some other big issues going on, so let's jump into our latest and what's trending. What's trending today? And I'm not quite sure directions I want to go here. There's a few different things we want to touch on. Let's start here for us, obviously. The big news that happened over the weekend regarding the drone attack for uh, some of our U.S. soldiers over in Jordan. And the man himself finally making his appearance after vacating his seat temporarily while he got some surgery done, knowing apparently knowing about it. Now he's back at it, making his first public appearance and his first, uh, not really interview, but the media was in while he was holding a press conference and chatting with somebody else uh, with Ukraine and talking about the importance of obviously needing to fund Ukraine and so on and so forth. But according to Newsmax, Lloyd Austin, Secretary of Defense, out there talking about uh, the recap of what happened this weekend. Well, good, good morning, everybody. Uh, let me start with my outrage and sorrow for the death of three brave U.S. troops in Jordan and for the other troops who were wounded. The President and I will not tolerate attack on U.S. forces, and we will take all necessary actions to defend the U.S. and our troops. Now, 
at this important time, I'm glad to be back uh, at the Pentagon. I feel good and am recovering well, but still recovering. Uh, and I appreciate all the, the good wishes that I've received thus far. Wow. So hat tip to Newsmax on that audio there. That was Lloyd Austin. And what a stern, firm stance that he took on that, saying that this is unacceptable. The fact that uh, Jordan came out with a drone and ended up killing three American soldiers. One of the worst attacks that we've seen since like 2021 under the Biden administration. And they say they're investigating on how the 350 individuals at that place called the Tower, I believe, whatever it's called out there in Jordan, at that base, that how they were not able to spot this drone and be able to shoot it out of the sky. That investigation is still ongoing. But can you tell? He's really worked up about it, man. Him and the Biden administration, they are going to make sure this doesn't happen again. We're going to retaliate the proper way. Well, good, good morning, everybody. Uh, let me start with my outrage and sorrow for the death of three brave U.S. troops in Jordan. The outrage and sorrow, if you can tell, that he's got a lot of, a lot of outrage and sorrow there. And for the other troops who were wounded. The President and I will not tolerate attack on U.S. forces, and we will take all necessary actions to defend the U.S. and our troops. Boom, there it is, 22 seconds of a statement there on what happened, and then boom, let's shift gears a little bit. Oh, I'm back from surgery, still not up to par, but I'm doing pretty good. Thanks so much for asking. So glad that you sent your condolences here and that you're sending me the well wishes. I feel great, ready to be back at it again. This is the guy that just went off and did a surgery without anybody knowing, especially the Biden himself, and the Biden team had no clue that he was even gone and then ended up having a surgery go south, and he's recovering from that. And there's the 22 seconds. Three people died, few people injured over in Jordan. We're gonna, we're not going to let this stand. We're going to do something about it. I'm glad I'm feeling good. So glad you guys sent me the well wishes. I'm back at it, ready to rock and roll. Man, that's the military nowadays. And we wonder why we seem weak across the world. We, we wonder why that there are nations taking bold actions right now, like the Middle East attacking Israel, which is one of our biggest allies, obviously, in the Middle East, like Russia feeling now's the opportune time to take over Ukraine and continue this ongoing conflict that we're hitting, what, now, like two years now? And we continue to ask money for, and we want to continue to fund with Ukraine. Why we're seeing that emboldenment right now? Why Jordan thinks that it's okay to send a drone to try to attack an American base and that we're going to do anything about this. Before, that used to be called an act of war. Before, back in the good old days, back in the times that I seem to remember as a millennial at 35 years old, back in the day that I remember that that would not go unresponded to and that we would eliminate someone like that, or at least we would warn them that their destruction is about to come. But I can tell that he's really worked up about it. I can tell that Joe Biden's really worked up about it and that we're going to do something about this one, right? Not to start a World War III, but, like, come on, guys. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed, it is so wonderful to have you with us. Happy Monday to you, starting off a week, setting that tone, baby. We're just going to carpe diem all over this place. <laughs> That's what we do each and every day. Welcome into it. Find us online at HoosierReason.com. If you have not signed up to become a Hoosier-holic, now's the time to do so. We have our newsletter coming out one week from today. 
We do it the first Monday of every single month, which means you can read our blog, you can see the latest from the radio show, the latest from the Hoosier Media Network, and so much more. Just become a Hoosier Holic again, HoosierReason.com, H O O S E R Reason.com. All of our social media is at the handle at Hoosier Reason as well. So much to talk about today. We have more going on in the Middle East. We'll get to that in a minute. Lloyd Austin back at it after working hard, man. He is he is defiant. He is sure to tell you how upset he is about what's going on in Jordan. Let me start with my <laughs> outrage and sorrow for the death of three brave U.S. troops in Jordan. Yeah, there he is. He's very irate about that one. We have that. Lauren Bober in the news in the state of Colorado. She changes congressional districts. And apparently still trying to gain some traction over there. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But I want to shift gears. Let's get to our guest of the day. What's trending today? Excited to have on here. I've always tried to do this. Sometimes it's very difficult. Sometimes it makes my brain hurt. But we try to understand the other side. And I've told you this many times before that if you have at least some type of argument that you can defend that you can actually show support for, that you can connect dot A to dot B. I may not agree with it, but at least I could understand it and respect it for the fact that you actually have some thought going into it. Unlike what we see on social media, which, like the Tweety, obviously you have X amount of characters to be able to tweet on there, and you're all of a sudden some type of expert on policy of some way, shape, or form. And That's really changed the dynamic of how debates and conversation go in the nation. But is there a way to understand the thought process of the other side of the aisle? Is there a way to understand how they live their life? Excited to have on the program. He's got a couple of books out. His latest one, The Entitled Liberal Coalition Theory, which you can find on Amazon and other places as well. Excited to have on here Mr. Mark Bard. Mark, how are you, my friend? Hi, Andy. Thank you so much for, for allowing me to come on. Yeah, I'm excited to have you yeah, on here. Yeah. Yeah, Andy, I'm a, a lifelong conservative. I'm retired now. I'm up here in the state of Maine, pretty far from Kansas. And I'm, uh, I wrote a, a, a book. My first book was called Obligated Conservatism Versus Entitled Liberalism, mm. America's Moral Divide. And, you know, I think that uh, understanding why someone is a conservative and why someone else is a liberal is something that we've never really uh, delved into. You know, people say, well, you know, uh, conservatives like traditional things and conservatives like small government. And, and all that we say, oh, we have all these reasons. But if we like, uh, uh, but, but we really don't, we attack liberalism on an issue by issue basis when we all intuitively believe that liberalism is immoral. But we've yet to shape an argument that convinces people that explains why liberalism is immoral and conservatism is uh, consistent with the love thy neighbor as thyself morality. And that's basically what my book says. Yeah, it, it makes sense. It's yes, really sir. great to start learning how to break some of this down because you're right, why people have a, a more conservative lean, why some have a liberal lean uh, to their view. And is it just a view on life? Is it a morality issue? Is it an economic status issue? Is it a societal and community issue? I mean, where where do we get the views that we have really in society? Well, you know, my, if you look at, uh, to me, every controversy that we have, every uh, conflict that we have with liberals needs to be resolved on the basis of morality. No, no other criteria that's the only basis. And if you want to define, then you have to get into defining morality. And that gets into a little kind of a complicated issue. 
when I defined morality in the book, I first said, I've got to look at how I perceive myself and how I perceive others. And I perceive myself as a sovereign and sacred being. By sovereign, I mean I'm not subject, um, I'm free of any subjugation by others, that I'm more of an eagle than a chicken, than a barnyard chicken. And by sacred, I mean I see myself as having infinite value. Now, the way I see others is the self-evident way that they are equal to me. Therefore, they are also sovereign and sacred. And if, and if, if I and everyone else, you and everyone else, is sovereign and sacred, we're endowed with certain rights. And I've actually tried to articulate those rights, to list those rights. And I say there are three groups of rights that every citizen has. And they are the natural rights that Jefferson mentioned in the, in the Declaration, equality, life, liberty, and pursuit. There's a right to dignity and dignified treatment, which includes the right to, let me see here, uh, respectful treatment, physical well-being, honest dealings, compassionate care, appreciation and loyalty, and vigilant protection. And by vigilant protection, I mean we all have a, an obligation to take reasonable action to prevent other people's having their, from, other pe from people violating the rights of the innocent. And the third category I have is moral existence rights. Every individual has the right to ha to live in a morally good society, to be a morally decent person, and to be and to live with morally decent others. Now, if you agree with, and I'm I'm really summarizing here, if you agree that those are the rights, then uh, immorality is going to be described as the violation of those rights. And there are two ways that people commit immoral behavior. One, you don't mind me going on, do you? No, please, a bit? please explain, yeah. Oh, there are two ways that in which people commit immoral behavior. Uh, first is, I call it direct personal uh, immoral behavior. And the example is, let's say there's a wolf and a lamb that live in, in a community, and one day the wolf prounces on the lamb and devours the poor creature for lunch. That's a direct uh, violation of the right to life of the lamb. A uh, social element violation is when two wolves and one lamb uh, take a vote on what to have for uh, lunch. In that case, the uh, creation of the federal agency, uh, the federal slaughter, list slaughter lambs agency, is an immoral act. And I say that every dispute between conservatives and liberals every is solely based on social elements. And a social element I define as any, any component of society that affects someone's love thy neighbor rights, either by violating those rights or by protecting those rights. And my position on every conservative issue is designed to protect the love thy neighbor rights of the innocent. For example, on late-term abortions, I want to protect the life and compassionate care rights of viable unborn children. On affirmative action, I want to protect the equality and respectful treatment rights of discriminated against Americans. On deterrent criminal punishment, I want to protect, I can go on and on. In the book, I mentioned 32 uh, different social elements uh, where I, I believe that the conservative position protects the rights of the innocent and that the liberal position violates those rights. Yeah. And I also go on by saying that being a conservative or being a liberal is a moral decision and that people make moral decisions based on their conscience. And everyone's conscience it can be conceptually viewed as having two components a professed morality, and a moral character. Professed morality are the, are the moral principles that someone says they believe in. 
And conservatives and liberals have the same professed morality. Biden has the same morality as uh, as as Trump or as Pence. Uh, Harris, Kamara Harris, has the same uh, uh, the same professed morality. She says she believes in the same things as uh, Sarah Palin, or R- Ralph Reed uh, has the same uh, as uh, as uh, any as uh, Nancy Pelosi. So our professed morality, no, we're not going to kill anyone. We're not going to steal from anyone. We're not going to uh, uh, humiliate everyone. We're going to have a moral good. They all say they believe these things, but some people feel a moral obligation to protect those rights, and other people have a moral... Oh, the second component, I'm sorry, Andy. The second component is moral character. What differentiates conservatives from liberals is their moral character. I haven't... I, as a conservative have an obligated moral character. I'm only going to support those positions on social elements that protect the rights of the innocent. Someone else may have an entitled moral character, where they believe that they're entitled to some kind of a gratification, financial, physical, egotistical gratification, that will allow them to enjoy those pleasures, even though it uh, it violates the rights of the innocent. You know, as an example, uh, in the book, I mentioned that Two people, two men can both say that they believe that stealing from others uh, is an immoral act. And one, one with an obligated moral character goes into a uh, convenience store and buys some small item and receives $10 more in change. And he will say, well, gee whiz, this, this, if I keep this $10 extra uh, era, it's a violation of the, of the store's rights to property. And someone else would go in with an entitled moral character, and they will rationalize and say, well, it's, it's not my fault the guy's stupid or the store's ripped me off plenty of times or, or, whatever, or whatever. They'll rationalize that they deserve that particular gratification. Another example was uh, a, a pregnant act, actress, an actress who was pregnant for eight months along, one with an obligated moral character. Oh, they get a call from a casting director for a very lucrative uh, role. Uh, an actress with an obligated uh, moral character, eight months along in pregnancy, uh, she rejects that role, saying that her uh, her uh, her desire to protect her child, her obligation to protect her child, exceeds the the pleasures of of the role. Now, the entitled actress will will say, "I want to set up a, a clinic at. Uh, I'm going to go to the Planned uh, Parenthood clinic." And get an abortion because she'll perceive that her fetus is like an unwanted wart. Sure. It's just it's disposable. There's a, there's a difference you, there. I tell you, you I tell you what, Mark, hold, hold that thought. I want to, We got to take a break here in just a moment. You bring up a lot of different interesting things here that I want to try and cover when we come back from the break because you're right. There is really that different moral mindset of looking out for everyone as opposed to just looking out for yourself. Kind of that entitlement, self-centered type of mindset. How do we change some of that? I want to talk about when we come back here right around the corner. It's Mark Bard, the Entitled Liberal Coalition Theory is the book. You can find it on Amazon. We'll do some more of that when we come back. Stay right here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome back into the program. Oh, how the time flies right on by. I love these conversations. I enjoy this on trying to understand the way people operate and think across society. 
which is what we're doing here on the program today for a Monday. We're hanging out with Mark Bard. He is an author of multiple books you can find on Amazon, and you can get them super cheap, super easy for you to go and read, and I highly recommend that you do. The Entitled Liberal Coalition Theory is the latest book you can find on Amazon by Mark Bard, B-A-R-D. If you go and check that out on Amazon. So, Mark, you, you laid a lot down there in that last segment. we got just a couple minutes left here, so I want to ask you a couple of questions. But you had mentioned the the idea, the moral character of the, the me mentality, that entitlement mentality of I deserve what you have, I deserve what's best for me as opposed to what everybody else has, as opposed to, you know, the conservative that says I'm going to live my life, you live your life, and let's all succeed together. Does that fit into... The entitled liberal coalition theory that you have that, that is this theory. And you mentioned the reference of, you know, the wolf that eats the sheep in society. That's the nature of the wolf. That's what the wolf does. Is it eats its sheep. So how do we stop that nature from happening? Or do we find ways to just rid society of the wolf altogether so we don't have to worry about that? Like, what do we do about this? Well, I think that we need to... Uh move the debate and the conflict between liberal and conservatism just purely to morality. Uh, in the book, Obligated Conservatism, I have a, uh, an illustration. It's of a mountain range of volcanoes. And on the surface, you know, we have reparations, we have student loan payments, we've got a welfare system, we have all these various conflicts. But it's all, it, there's one fundamental underlying cause. It's the moral character of conservatives versus the entitled characters, moral character of liberals. And we need to get people to understand that. As a matter of fact, I said that if everyone would agree that we need to re resolve every conflict on a love thy neighbor as thyself morality, then, uh, then to me, everything can be solved. Uh, we, if any liberal can explain why their position better protects the rights, of innocent people, innocent Americans, then the conservative position, I'll switch. But for right now, on every single issue, on every single issue, I believe the conservative position and my position is based on protecting the rights of the innocent. Yeah. And I just think that in order to resolve our conflicts, we need to educate people to stop thinking about these service issues, but to go deeper and look at the morality and the moral character of, of these individuals. Let's take it to the next so, level, Mark. Let's talk about who's teaching them to be entitled. Who's teaching them to be the victim? Because they're, they they believe they're entitled because they feel that they're a victim, that someone has oppressed them, not given them the same opportunities, not given them the same path for success as what other vind individuals have had. But they were taught that. They were told that that's why that uh, they're entitled to something. So who's teaching that? Who is the wolf in the sheep's clothing teaching them to, to be raised as wolves? Well... It's human nature. It, it, you, you, it doesn't even have to be taught. Humans are basically, uh, they tend to be selfish. If you look at the Founding Fathers, when they wrote the Constitution, they really didn't even think it was going to last. When you give this, this many people that much freedom to, uh, as Jefferson said, once people figure out that they can, or, uh, figure out that they can, uh, uh, they can uh, vote themselves money, like uh, all these uh COVID payments and student loan reparations, it's sure. over. I can, what, what Edmund Burke said, he said, in a democracy, um, the majority of citizens is capable of exercising the most cruel oppression of the minority. That's what he said. What Thomas Jefferson said, experience has shown that even under the best forms of government, those entrusted with power have in time and by slow operations perverted it to 
tyranny. James Madison said democracies have been found incompatible with personal security or the rights of property. John Adams said our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It's wholly inadequate for any for the government of any other. George Washington said we have probably had too good an opinion of human nature in forming our confederation. Well, and it makes and, it, it makes sense, Mark. It makes sense when you know, like you said, if if we have the ability to vote ourselves more money, that's why we we see really what we're seeing right now. And as Benjamin Franklin said, that we have a republic. If we can keep it, we no longer have a capitalist system. We have a crony capitalist system where the government and the big industries are in it together to make themselves more money and the consumers kind of left behind to deal with it and pick up the pieces at the end of the day. Mark, we're out of time, my friend. I love the conversation. I absolutely love it. You got to go and get the book, The Entitled Liberal Coalition Theory. Find it on Amazon, other places as well. Mark, we appreciate it, my friend. Let's do it again real soon. Thank you, Andy. I appreciate it, sir. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, great conversation. Way to go deep. Unveiling those layers of the onion here for a Monday to kick off the week. That's how we set the tone right here on this program, and I enjoy every minute of it. Until then, we're back at it again tomorrow. So much more to talk about. Until then, be your own voice of reason. Be that catalyst for change in your own community. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.